From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. I hope this episode finds you doing well. The month of February is one we often think about love because of Valentine's Day, but it's also a month where we put the heart front and center, not just because of love, but for health reasons. February is American Heart Month. It's a time when we should all focus a little more on our cardiovascular health. For this latest episode of Uniquely Kentucky, I'm sitting down with University of Kentucky offensive lineman Kenneth Horsey. Horsey is passionate about heart health. He knows all too well the reality of a heart condition and how it can change your life. In 2018, just a few months before he was set to graduate high school, he was diagnosed with endocarditis, an infection on a heart valve. He would need open heart surgery. Horsey had already signed to play football at the University of Kentucky and had no idea what was next. Skip ahead, Horsey is healthy and is returning this year for his sixth season as a Wildcat. Horsey is now a proud heart health advocate, but also focused on football and making up for a season that ended last year not the way that he would like it. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Kenneth Horsey, welcome. It is nice to meet you, sir. How are you? It's nice to meet you, too. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. All right. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk a lot of football, probably. But most importantly, I wanted to have you on in the month of February because you do have a heart story to tell. And you've also been really incredible about getting out and sharing your story, but also helping spread some awareness. So, Kenneth, I want to start sort of at the beginning in terms of your football career. As we here in Kentucky knew you, you were about ready to, to sign and come to UK to play. And then you found yourself in a really scary situation. Take me back. That was 2018, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, April of 2018. And it feels like, kind of feels like a minute ago now, but I still remember the event like it was yesterday. You know, I was having dinner with my family on April 1st. And, um, you know, just sitting there and I was start, started feeling a pain in my left side. You know, I didn't think too much about it. You know, I didn't put too much thought into it. But unfortunately, I I was not able to do that anymore because the pain kept increasing and increasing to the point where, like, my dad is trying to spray me down with water to keep me cool because I'm because next thing you know I'm running up a fever and things of that nature. So with the pain and the fever, my parents uh, called nine one one. They came and they picked me up. Um, I got to the hospital. They did scans of my body, things of that nature, and they found out that there was a growth, which they believed to be an infection on my heart valve. And what they believe happened was as the heart valve continues to open and close as the heart is beating, they believe a piece of that growth flicked off and traveled down my, to my left kidney, block, blocking my kidney function, which is why I was experiencing that pain. So they didn't know exactly what it was on the heart, but they knew they had to get it off. So um, about a couple of days later, I believe on April 5th or 6th, I had to have uh, open heart surgery. Uh, the process was they cracked open my sternum. Uh, they cleaned off uh, They cleaned off my heart valve. They didn't have to be replaced or anything like that. Luckily, I was able to keep my uh, original heart valve and things of that nature. But they cleaned it off, um, put it back together, and then they put a titanium plate over my chest so that I'd be able to withstand hits and things of that nature with football. 
uh, the recovery process was definitely a, it was definitely an eye opener, you know, um, just going from playing football and at the time I was on the track and field team doing shot put and discus, you know, going from that to not being able to help your mom bring in groceries because you can't lift anything over five pounds and uh, like your workouts going from two hour workouts with the team to taking walks every day and even that alone would uh, <laughs> that alone would put me out like I just ran a half marathon or something like that you know I had to do uh, different breathing techniques I had to use a breathing machine uh, not a machine but like uh, just a tool to help me expand my lungs again because when I finished my surgery I had the lungs of somebody who never played a sport so I had to recondition my body to get to that level. Kenneth, did you thing. ever experience anything prior to this? You know, I'm, I'm assuming you're a young, healthy guy. You've played sports probably most of your life. Had you ever experienced anything like this that would have clued you and your family in that something was wrong? Uh, no, ma'am, I did not. Um, I didn't, I don't have any, I didn't have any condition like coming into it or any signs. I don't have any history of it in my family. So it was really kind of an out of the blue uh, thing that happened and um, blessed to be on the other side of it now. But yeah, there were no symptoms or anything like that for it. But after that first month, I was able to progress to 25 pounds and I had to continue with my walking and my breathing techniques. And luckily I was still able to come up to travel to Kentucky because I was supposed to be there in June, early June. Luckily I was able to to still do that. Um, I wasn't allowed to work out with the team yet, but I had to, I still had some recovery to do. I had to, um, it was mostly walking on the treadmill and med ball workouts, uh, stuff like that, light stuff, but that could just keep me progressing uh, day by day. Uh, huge shout out to the UK's training staff and the strength staff. Uh, at the time it was Jim Madalino and now it's it's Gabe, it's Evan, Skyler, you know, uh, Alex was there before, but uh, with the strength staff, Coach Ed, Coach Hill, uh, D-Mac was there at the time, Coach Raf, Tyler, you know, they all did a great job of helping me, progressing me to a point where they knew, they knew that there was potential in me, but they had to take it slowly because it was a delicate situation. And I believe they did a great job of helping me find out what my limits were, but being able to push those limits, but also being able to do that in a safe manner to where I was not putting myself further at risk. So I give all the support, uh, thank yous to the world for them because they really helped me in a difficult time. Um, and then after that, it continued to progress. I was able to finally work out with the team in around late July and I was blessed to be in pads for training camp that same August. So um, that process was, it's definitely, it was definitely a crazy one, but I believe I came out better for it. And I believe I didn't realize how much of an impact it could really have on not just my life, but the people around me. Mm -hmm. So I, I know it sounds weird, but I'm thankful for the trials that have made me a better person so far. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I had read several, you know, articles kind of in the beginning. I mean, you didn't really want this to be 
at that time, your story, because you wanted to play football and you wanted to come to UK and do the job that you were chosen to do for the team. And I totally understand that. But also now that you've been with us a number of years and you're coming back for that pre-COVID year, it sounds like over time you realize, like, I do have a story to tell and I can help some people, right? Why was that important for you to finally then start to use that story, if you will? So uh, this starting to use my use and share my story really started in 2019. Um, huge shout out to Courtney Love and Susan Lax because at the time, uh, excuse me, at the time Courtney Love was our uh, director of player personnel and development, uh, player development. So he was really pushing and advocating for us to go out into the community and give back to the people who pour so much into us and come to our games and do everything they can to make sure that we have what we need. We are at the same token, we need to be able to turn that around and be able to go back and support everybody in the city that supports us, you know? So I really, I really put that into thought. And of course the a time to really put that into action arose when um, Slacks, I call it Slacks. This is mm-hmm. Slacks. UK everybody knows Slacks. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows Slacks. Uh, she gets, uh, with the American Heart Association and they asked if I would uh, share my story to one of their events preparing for the heart walk that they do in May and at this time I wasn't really I wasn't really too sure about it like you said before I want like you read earlier I wanted to I just wanted to fit in you know I wanted to be just be like the rest of the guys and through this through the process I learned that I've said it before in one of my in one of my speeches, but nobody creates a legacy by fitting in. Mm. You know, it's we always remember the people who stand out and the people who did what they needed to do despite despite the obstacles in the way of it. You know, so uh, it was my first time speaking in front of a group sharing that story in particular. You know, I've been able I've I've given speeches before and things of that nature, but never sharing my story like that, a vulnerable story like that in front of business donors and things mm. of that nature. So it was my first time doing that. But I remember at the event, because they were, because um, still to this day, they still, do, uh, they still support uh, Finn Collier and his family. Finn, who was, I believe he was about four years old at the time, he passed away. Having, having multiple heart surgery, things of that nature. And I remember I spoke at that event and people and businesses at the event were donating to the American Heart Association and to Finn, making donations in my name. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I realized like, well, I, I could have a further impact of not just going through heart surgery, but mm-hmm. being able to turn that into something greater than what it was. And that started a really spiraled and just avalanche into blessings on blessings. You know, I've been able to, um, I've been able to participate with the American Heart Association, American Heart Association in their Heart Walk events. I've been able to travel to Houston and speak at the uh, Paul Bear Bryan Awards because uh, the American Heart Association works with them as well. I was able to share my story there. Um, I remember the, uh, head coach for Cincinnati, he said, he said it at the event that you want, after I spoke and after they heard my story, they wanted to, that he wanted to 
do a CPR session with his team because at the time I was able, like, I was working with the American Heart Association, but I was also blessed enough to work with UK Healthcare and Jacob Stone doing hands-only CPR training. Uh, I was able to, I was able to be a part of the session that we led the team. You know, we were able to teach the whole team hands-only CPR. Um, you know, just so many things that I didn't realize were even possible that just started from that first step of sharing my story. So I definitely, like I said, I give a shout out to Courtney Love and Slacks for really pushing that narrative. And I, I believe I became a better person for it. Oh, that's awesome. How important do you feel like um, kind of stepping back from sports and being able to like see the sports world and think about something as simple as um, CPR and knowing how to use maybe um, an AED machine that really all of us, it doesn't matter for you're in sports or whatever, that all of us should know how to do that. Um, what's your message to folks about that? Is that? My message is, I know it's, it's not the most common topic of conversation. You know, when you're sitting around the dinner table or you're sitting with a group of friends, it's very rare that heart health is one of the main topics of conversation. But once we realize that these like these steps to changing our lives for the better and to have help to live longer, healthier lives is can come from very simple steps like learning hands only CPR. There's videos now you can you can learn it in 90 seconds. You know, the learning CPR, learning how to eat better, learning when exercise is necessary, learning that we need to hydrate, just sim just simple things. You know, I know it's it's sometimes harder for people to break habits and certain commitments that might be on the negative side, but the first time, the first, it's all about the first step. You have to take, you have to be able to take the leap. You have to understand, but because if, if people don't understand that heart health is very important, even though you, when I say that, it sounds like a, a like Doug, like, yes, heart health is important, but since it's not, since it's not, affecting us truly daily, the problems and issues that arise if we continue to make small decisions that we make over the course of our lives, people don't really focus on it until it's too late. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I can speak for myself. I was one of those people, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a strong understanding of heart health at the time, but going through the, going through my situation and work, being able to work with the American Heart Association and UK healthcare I've been able to gain knowledge that I've been able to pass along to the rest. And it's not like, it's not like I'm like I'm an ultimate master researcher in the topic or anything like that. It's just being able to know hands-only CPR. It's being able to just being able to share with other people your story and how heart health has affected you. And then people, once people hear that, they think about how heart health affects them and how heart health affects their families. And it just spreads like a wildfire from there. So I'm just blessed to be able to do my part and I'm blessed to be able to have the platform to do it. You know, a huge thank you to Coach Stoops and Coach Merrill for continuing to give me this opportunity and this platform because the, I remember the first time I call, I had to call them and tell them that well, I had the surgery mm -hmm. after they was asking how I was doing. The first thing they said was, don't worry about my scholarship, that they were going to honor it till the end. And that meant a lot to me. You know, it made, me too, it made me really feel like I made the right decision. So it's just, 
blessings on blessings. One thing I've always seen from Coach Stoops and the program that he's built and players like you is that it doesn't matter what your story is, but they do want to give you the space to have a voice and that it is important and that you're so much more than just athletes. So I always appreciate that about you guys. I see that so much in different ways. I'm wondering, Kenneth, um, I thought of you actually this morning when I saw the news that um, DeMar Hamlin was at the NFL Awards last night. And I, I was wondering what you thought going back to that night that we all witnessed um, watching him collapse on the field, both from a football perspective, but also somebody that's, you know, been there, done that. You, you know um, what heart issues can do. What was your reaction watching all of this play out and then, you know, seeing him now today? Um. I believe my reaction was the rest of the world's reaction. It was it was scary, scary for everybody. Of course, not as scary for as not scary as him being in that situation, but just seeing that on TV, you know, um, it made me think about how truly important hands-only CPR can be, and it made me not just his situation, but a few months or month prior, Coach Wells. Over at EKU, he went down and he had to have hands-only CPR done to resuscitate him, and that saved his life. And although I didn't have to have CPR happen to me personally, I, knowing, learning more about heart health that I know now, I know that it's something very simple and something very easy that everybody can learn that can help save each other's lives. Because if people, unfortunately, like with Coach Leach, situation you went down somebody was not there to right. offer hands only CPR somebody wasn't there to help him you know those are it's literally life or death situations that can if you watch a 90 second video you could literally save somebody's life and it's when you say it like that it's very like very simple but very complex at the same right. time because you know we all have to be able to we all have to understand that we're all in this together, mm -hmm. you know, as a people, as, as American, as a, as a country, as a world, we all, we all, in, all in this planet together, we all bleed the same red blood, you know, so it's important for us to be able to look out for each other and be there for one another, and if watching a 90-second video can help save somebody's life and reconnect them with their families and their yeah. loved ones, I'm more than willing to do it, so I'm just happy, blessed to be a part of this ride, and I'm happy that Damar is doing better and he was able to give his speech last night and things of that nature. And I'm just, I hope that, I hope that he's able to, hope that he continues to be able to turn it, turn the pain into a passion and be able to turn into a positive circumstance and not, so people cannot just focus on what happened, but what he did from it, because that's, that's where legends are born. Yeah, God certainly has a plan and, a, and an even bigger story, it seems, for him, for sure. Let's talk a little bit of football. I understand I had to wait for you to get out of, I think, lifting today. So certainly things are um, back going. Um, I know the season did not end with the bowl game the way that you guys would have liked. But I know that you chose to come back um, and, and play this extra, I guess, like free year, if you will. What are you um, excited about? What are you looking forward to? Um, what can we expect from you guys? Um, first thing, what you can expect is everything that we got. That's that's the first thing I'm gonna start with. You, what you I like it already. I like everything it. Everything that we got, you know, we understand that last year didn't end uh, how we wanted it to. There was definitely some bumps in the road that 
people were not expecting. But I believe learning, being able to learn from adversity is what makes us great. And I believe that it was one of the, in my opinion, it was one of the best things that could happen to us in this program because I believe the University of Kentucky and Coach Stoops and Mel have built a reputation and gained respect for the league for, of being able to just, Kentucky football is just a hard-nosed football team that will play you to the end. And you can't just overlook us. You can't just walk past it because you know that we're coming. We're the University of Kentucky, you know? So I believe that uh, Coach Dukes and Coach Romero have set a specific culture mm -hmm. and being able to work off adversity is a part of that culture. Uh, we've been working through adversity at least ever since I've been here, since it's just what's, whether it was JP going down, mm -hmm. whether it was Chris Oates going down, mm -hmm. whether it was Coach Sharman, rest in peace, mm -hmm. going down. You know, there's most situations where you have to, un, unforeseen circumstances happen, and you have to be able to, you still have to be able to battle and you have to be able to fight. Now that we have a young team coming up, we had a lot of young guys who have, let's just put it quite frankly, they've never been hit in the mouth before. This was their first time in college football, you know? And I, I think it'll make us better because now everybody, or not everybody, but most people in the locker room have that feeling in their chest of what it feels like to lose. Yeah. What it feels like, because like, we, we have to keep it, but we got 21-0 in the bowl game. That never feels good, you know? And now the, the guys will be able to have that feeling so they know they don't want to feel it again. So when you're working out and you don't want to do that last two reps, that feeling comes up right there. And that's what pushes you. You know, you don't want to do that last sprint, but that feeling comes up, you know, seven and six, seven and every time, anytime you want to give up seven and six, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the mindset we have to have. You know, we have to, we understand that we have to be better. And it all starts with that mentality and it all starts with how we approach it. So we can't look at, we don't look at it as, I don't look at it as a failure, but I look at it as, as an opportunity to grow. And I think, and that was the best, I think that was one of the main reasons I wanted to come back because I understood that, I understood that through this adversity, there will be more growth and people will learn from the situation. And I will be able to come into a position where I can, even I've learned from this because I was far from perfect. I was, I was a leader on that team, you know. I put, I put a lot of that on myself of not having the offense and not having the team ready to go how I need to. We're a player-led team. And as a leader, as a captain, uh, I obviously did not do enough. So the first person I got to point, first person I point the finger at is myself. What do I need to do to make sure that my team is right? And that just goes with working out harder, watching more film, lifting more weights, you know, having an str even stronger mentality, you know. And it just, as I said, it starts with me and hopefully it'll trickle down to the rest of the guys and we can go out there and put on a show for BBN this year. Yeah, I feel it. I feel like that's coming. How, um, what's your earliest memory, like football, has that always been your life? Has that been like from a little kid all the way through? Like what's the earliest football for you? Uh, no, it was, um, 
I played like a little football, a flag football when I was like five or so. I remember my dad was the head coach of that team. So I started off. <laughs> um, but I tr growing up, I tried a, a plethora of sports. You know, I tried them all. Um, yeah. Basketball, baseball. Uh, I did martial arts. I did, um, I was on, I did middle school volleyball. I did everything. Just trying to, you know, find, just trying mm -hmm. to find my place, you know, what worked best for me. And my first year of tackle football, I was in seventh grade. So I did a pop Warner year, mm -hmm. my first year, and I fell in love with the game. I wasn't able to play it in eighth grade because there were too many people on the team. Oh. And then, so I was just, I just rolled on with it through high school and the rest is history. I never, I can't say I was one of those kids that was a run around four years old wanting to play college football <laughs> and things like that. But I'm happy that I've, I feel like I found my place and mm -hmm. I feel like there's, and I feel like this, there's, my purpose is here. Yeah. So I'm blessed to be able to do what I, something that I love. You're, you're a super humble guy. I can tell that just by spending like 20 minutes with you. What um, motivates you? You know, because as a college athlete, I know it's not easy. You're being pulled a million different directions. Um, you, you know, you've got a job to perform in the classroom and on the field. What motivates you? What keeps you going? Do you look to anything in particular? Um, besides my faith that keeps me going, it's, it's, my, it's my family. It's the village. You know, it's the village, it's the people, it's my mom, my dad, my two sisters, you know, my, a lot of my family that lives up there in Maryland, you know, there's, there's just been so many people that have, that have affected my life in a positive way that I understand that I would not be here without their tough love and without their guidance, all the coaches over the years, the instructors, you know. Uh, along with my parents that were able to be that ex be that extension of parents when I was away from home mm -hmm. you know I've had I've had a lot of people in my life that um, that I know that I wouldn't be here without and I know that I owe it to to mm -hmm. give my best in everything that I do you know so it's just my faith it's my family the village and uh, of course my brothers you know we, we literally we putting in blood sweat and tears every day <laughs> you know, it's like when you when you're able to build that bond with God, it's some it's something like no other. You know, and that's another reason I wanted to come back. Just that 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 vibe in that locker room. You know, being able to be with just being able to chill and crack jokes with the guys after a long workout, stuff like <laughs> that. If those are the things that you don't that when you're in it, mm. it can it can kind of feel like a drag at times. But when you're on the back end of your career, looking back at everything, you don't, it's, it's not even all the stuff on the field. It's mm -hmm. the stuff off the field that you remember. It's the times mm -hmm. you laughed with the guys and the pranks pulled and stuff like that. It's, it's more than football. It's bigger than football. Well, here's a couple of questions. Who pushes you the most on the team, uh, brother wise, and who uh, clowns the most on the team? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So the first one who pushes me the most on the team is definitely Eli. Okay. Eli, um, he was a, he was a guy that came in, uh, the spring of my freshman year. Uh, he came in early and he was one, he was also one of the guys that just kept his head down and just put in work. 
And he's the biggest thing that I was, what I respect the most about Eli is that he is a definition of leading by example. Mm. You know, you know, when there's, when you talk about attention to detail, talking about watching film, talking about breaking down film, talking about lifting weights, how you talking about doing everything to the fullest extent of your ability. Eli, Eli embodies that, you know, he, he's from here. He loves UK football and he yeah. puts in, he put, he gives, he gives everything his all, all the time. And that really, and I, and I respect that out of him and it pushes me. So when, when I see him, when I see him working, I'm like, okay, what am I, it's like, okay, what am I doing? I got to make, make sure I'm doing more. I'm doing, going faster than him. I'm lifting more than him yeah. because I know, I know if, if I'm away from the team, like he's the guy, he's the, like we're co-leaders in this whole line. So I'm definitely not going like, he's the guy. So I look to, um, I have the younger guys. It's like they look to us and at times I, at times I look to him, you know, and I hope he's able to look to me as well when he needs motivation. It's always, it's just that same mentality of being able to feed off your brother's energy and mentality, no matter who it is on the team. But specifically, I look to, I look to, Eli, being that I'm the oldest, I look to where I'm looking down and around. Um, it's definitely Eli Cox. Okay, how about the guy that clowns the most with you guys? Uh, it might just be Eli too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like it. I, but it I think if, done, if he can get the work done and do it and clown, I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, between him, uh, Flax, Jeremy Flax, yeah. I'm the uh, He's a it's a jokester for sure. They always have they always have been rolling. Um I think on the rest of the team, like uh, um yeah, I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick with Eli or Flax. Because them boys because them boys are all that all it'd be every day. Um just a couple of more questions because I'll get you out of here. I had read that um you know, coming to Lexington, you really fell in love with the area. And obviously you chose to stay. You could go on and be doing anything else. What was it about um, Kentucky and Lexington and the area that really kind of captured your heart? Because it literally sounds like it did. I remember the first thing, one of the first things I noticed when I got up here is how nice all the people were. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, coming from, and coming from Florida, you don't really like, you don't, get that like mentality like that vibe very too often as much as it is Lexington mm -hmm. like I remember when I first got here like just getting in and like I remember getting in an Uber and just having a great conversation with the Uber driver because you just see like because as, as soon as they hear like as soon as they hear Kentucky football or anything like that it's just like they're all in because they they just love Kentucky so much and that that love for it and that respect for it is just that's something that really showed me that BBN has really passionate fans mm -hmm. and a passionate fan base. I'd do anything for their players. But I believe that Lexington has that vibe of even if you're not on a football team, even if you're even if even if you're just going to school or working, doing whatever you're doing, there's that there's a nurturing kind of vibe here that like that makes you want that makes you want to stay it makes you want to give back because there's so many good people in the city of Lexington they've and so many people have through the years poured poured their hearts out and supported not just me personally but the team mm -hmm. you know there's plenty of times gotten DMs from fans I remember when 
the news first broke about my heart surgery, a bunch oh. of DMs from random fans that I'm, I haven't even been to Kentucky yet. People asking me how I'm doing and oh. anything I could do, anything I could do, stuff like that. And I will, I won't appear for an official. I haven't met anybody. <laughs> I haven't met any real fans yet. So it's just that vibe of Kentucky. And mm. well, another thing about Lexington is coming from a bigger area. Lexington is a, it's a smaller city, mm-hmm. but you can still, there's still that it still partially has that big city vibe yeah. to it because it's a college town and because mm-hmm. there's plenty of things to do. So you can really live whatever life you want to live in Lexington. You can live party life in Lexington, mm-hmm. which is not me. But <laughs> you can live, you can, I'm more, you can. Me either, Kenneth, yeah, me either. Right, you can be out the way. Uh, you can be out the yeah. way and just focus on what you have to do. But there's also plenty of stuff like when family comes and when things mm-hmm. arise, there's things to do, so. I just, Lexington's a great place to be. That's awesome. Well, as a Kentucky gal through and through, that makes my heart happy that we made you happy here for sure. What is next? I know you got a season in front of you um, and this is your last year, but what does Kenneth Horsey hope to do in the future? What's your um, next move after football or maybe it's football more? I don't know. Say God, God willing, my first goal is to get to the NFL. Awesome. You know, that's been my goal for you. That's been my goal for years now. And I've been able, I've been blessed with, being able to see a heavy number of guys that I've played with go to the league, you know, whether it's Drake, whether it's Fortner, whether it's Bunchy, whether it's George, Quentin Bohanna, uh, the list goes on and on. Josh Allen was here. That was my freshman year. You know, I've been able to see what exactly it takes to get there and what I need to do to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great thing for me because it's hard for people to see it when it's not being done. Mm -hmm. But when Coach Stoops and Coach Merrill have specifically given you the map of how to get there, at the end of the day, it's on you to get there after that. So uh, they have all the the pieces, all the support pieces necessary to get to the league. You just have to put in the work. That's the biggest thing about uh, playing here. And um, after the league, I want to be a coach. So, like I was saying before, I under uh, I understand that there's a number of coaches that have been in my life that I wouldn't be here without. Like, I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd be playing football in my after my second year of high school if it wasn't for a number of coaches that that really poured their hearts into me and really did whatever they could to make sure that I had what I needed and stuff like that. No, whether it was I could go back. I could go back years. Where was mm-hmm. Coach Reynolds my freshman year? Uh, it was Coach Hernandez, Coach Stark, Coach Wiggins, both Coach Wiggins, you know, uh, Coach Cox, Coach this, this Coach Bird, uh, Coach Lodge. Like I said, there's so many people that have impacted my life that have given because I stayed out of zone. I, yeah. I was out of I was not a zone uh, school, so I've had. Coaches have been able to like been able to take me home and stuff. I have to practice this like 30, 40 minute drive and it's even like an hour out of their way. But it's just that they cared so much, you know, and I understand that if I wanted I understand that if I could have that impact on somebody else's life, on somebody else's career, that the way these coaches have impacted me, I know that I'd be putting a good footprint on the world. 
Well, Kenneth, you have an amazing spirit about you, and I can tell that you do have an impact on other people, and you would be amazing as a coach. So thank you for spending just a little bit of time with me. Thank you for sharing your story, and um, thank you for doing great things both on the field and off the field. And in my household, we will be cheering as we always do when it comes to football season. So thank you so much for your time, buddy. I appreciate you, Amber. Thank you for having me.